If you open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 7, we'll pick up our parable where we left off this morning. I assure you that's at most a 35-minute sermon this morning. I can't tell you what happened. Let's notice our passage once more. Proverbs 7, we're going to notice the first four verses. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. And my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. We begin to notice this morning some of the musings of the wise man King Solomon. We noticed that as he was sitting at his window, he began to look out amongst the people who were roaming around within the city, noticing his uh, uh, the people of his great city and he noticed a young man and we talked about the young man who was roaming around the city he was roaming he was wandering he had no sense of direction about him he was simply just doing whatever came next and it appears as if as we look at the passage that he was looking for some problems he was looking for a little bit of trouble and it did not take him long to find that trouble We notice that his wanderings led him into the wrong places and he ended up being at the home of a woman that was not what she should have been. And we noticed how her tactics drew him in and and how she made it appear to him that all things were okay and that there would be no consequence to their actions. Then we noticed that the way in which this young man ended up doing what he was doing. How did he end up in the position wherein he found himself? Well, it was because of a lack of reasoning. This is our second point from this morning. It was a lack of reasoning, and we talked for just a few moments this morning that a lack of reasoning will bring grief. A lack of making proper decisions, wise choices. And we mentioned the NBA team, the Indiana Pacers, being in a in a bar at 2.15 in the morning in Indianapolis, and there was great problem, and come to find out they were not involved in that, but one commentator noticed nothing good can come from being in a bar at 2.15 in the morning with those kinds of people. And so that's poor reasoning. Poor reasoning brings about grief. It brings trouble. It brings things to our lives that we don't want to happen. But then it's just too late once it does, because choices have consequences. Moses, the great leader of Israel for so long, as he led them out of Egypt, he showed some amazing reasoning skills. When he chose to rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now what does that mean? I would say that the New King James Version of the Bible may say for a short period of time or something to that effect. I'm not sure. But... That's what that word means, a season, a short period of time. He could have remained in Egypt. He could have lived in the palace of Pharaoh and he could have enjoyed those riches and all those things that come along with it, but it would last for just a short period of time. Think about Moses' life as he left Egypt. He was 40 years old. 
A third of his life was over at that point. He lived another 80 years. Now he could have enjoyed the sinful pleasures of Egypt for, one, for another 80 years, but then what? When we end up in eternity, and we all end up in eternity, he could have looked back over his life and he said, boy, that 80 years just wasn't worth it, just a short period of time. Well, we were at our youth conference, Brother Kyle Budd, he made mention of eating a uh, honey bun, right? Eating a honey bun, not probably shouldn't, uh, probably shouldn't have been eating the honey bun. It puts on a little, little weight and, you, and you're trying to knock it off. And he says, but you can eat that honey bun, in his words, in about one bite. Of course, they're small. But that, he makes the point, and I appreciated that point, that sin lasts for a very short period of time. Now, I was, uh, speaking with Nicole's uncle as I left the house this evening and, and I made the, made the point that sin is a problem because it is enjoyable. That's the problem, right? If it wasn't enjoyable, there wouldn't be a problem. And so we have to look at sin for a short period of time and the things that come along with that. Or we look at the big picture. We look into eternity. It brings with it grief. We must make godly choices in this world. And it must be based upon the Word of God. That is exactly what God wants us to do. He's given us a manual of truths. We know it as the Holy Bible. We have example after example of congregations of the Lord's people not basing what they're doing upon the Word of God. We have example after example of individual Christians making choices and not basing them upon the Word of God. I want us to notice Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 1 through 6, this is the church in Sardis. The Lord had a few words to say to this congregation of people. He said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. What's he talking about? He says, you have a name, you have a good name amongst the people, that you're a, a, a living, thriving congregation, but you're dead. You stopped making correct decisions. You began to just exist upon past successes. He says, be careful, watch what you're doing. Strengthen those who are still alive, or you're all going to be dead. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father." And before his angels, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There are a few left, he says, there are a few left in Sardis who haven't defiled their garments. He said, strengthen them while yet they still live. He says, or I'm going to come and visit punishment upon you. And you won't know when it's coming. But that's how it is in this world, isn't it? The Lord is coming. When we look in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and we notice verses 6 through 9, we see exactly what's going to happen when the Lord comes. He says, those of you who are being persecuted, He says, rest with us. For the Lord with His mighty angels, He's going to descend out of heaven 
but he's going to bring with him a flaming sword, and he's going to take vengeance upon people. And he gives the two classes of people upon whom he is going to visit destruction. Those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the law of Jesus Christ. When we make poor choices and we do not use proper reasoning skills, we're not obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's going to visit destruction upon us. We need to make sure that we do not have our candlesticks taken from us. That's the whole point of this letter to the Revel- uh, of the Revelation, right? To the seven churches. Jesus says, if you do not watch what you're doing, I'm going to come and take your candlestick, your life, your spiritual life. Now the whole point of Solomon warning his sons in our passage, Proverbs 7, is so that they will guard against foolish actions, so that they will grasp the commandments of God. There's a difference between understanding what God wants and grasping what God wants us to do, right? We can understand what God's law is, but unless we grasp it, we take hold of it, we put it into our lives, it's going to do us no good whatsoever. That's what Christ was saying to Sardis. You have a name of being faithful. At one time they were very faithful. They were working. They were doing exactly what God wanted them to do, but then they just quit. They let go. You grasp the commandments of God and you hang on to the commandments of God. Solomon does not want his sons just roaming around in the dark with no clear ambition in life, no clear direction in life. And we take that application and we apply it to us. God does not want us roaming in this life without using godly reason, allowing things of this world to distract us, to give us reasons to stop being faithful, to cause us heartache in this life. We cannot be distracted from the important things. We have to use good reason. Solomon wanted his sons and, and for us to see that there is knowledge from God that we can attain. We need to know where we're going and we need to see the value of where we are going, whether it's good or bad. We need to understand our limitations, don't we? We need to understand the limitations that we have in this life. We all have certain limitations. Now that speaks to, for the most part, what I'm talking about. Not necessarily physical limitations. I'm not a song leader. That's a limitation I have. But that's not really what we're talking about. There are certain things in this life that cause me difficulties. And we need to understand what those things are. The writer of Hebrews said the sin that so easily besets us or so easily ensnares us. We need to be on guard. We need to be able to be honest with ourselves and say, this is a bad direction, whether we're going down it or not. We need to at least be honest with ourselves, whether we're honest with anyone else around us or not, and understand that the direction in which we go, we need to know if it's bad or whether it's good. God always knows. We need to be able to see the incorrect path as well when we're making choices, right? We have choices in this life. We have the the wide gate. We have the, the narrow gate. We're all going to make choices and we need to use reasoning skills. That's what Solomon's getting at here. He said, look at your choices and choose wisely. At least if you don't understand that's what you're doing. Understand that you want to involve yourself in a sin and, and just say, That's what I want to do. Let's not try to make it okay with God, right? 
That, that was my issue with the whole homosexual movement. That was my whole issue with it. It's wrong, it's sinful. But look, we're not trying to get into the bedrooms of people. If that's your choice, choose it. But don't make it something that God condones, right? At least be man enough or woman enough to say, that's simply what I want to do. And let's not try to make it okay and fit square with the Bible. Solomon's saying, be, be aware of where you're going. Know your circumstances. I think Peter encouraged his readers to understand that. Second Peter 1, 19, Peter said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Take heed of the sure word. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. See, now we're under the new law. We have the words of Christ being given to us through the Holy Spirit. He said, take heed to those as unto light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. God's Word will shine into dark places, won't it? That's why people try to get away from the Word of God because it casts a light upon us. It shows us for what we truly are. And it's going to do that on the day of judgment as well. We're going to be standing before God. And that light's going to shine upon us. And if we've been found not faithful, it's going to show why we're not faithful. I was speaking with someone the other day and and we were talking about the judgment. We're talking about those people who are in torments. Listen, the rich man understands today he's never going to be in heaven. He understands today that He's going to live eternally in hell. So what's the judgment for? Well, for that man, it's to demonstrate or to tell why he's not going to be in heaven. But everyone that stands before the bar of judgment that is found unworthy, that'll be a judgment for those who are not going to go into the eternal abode of of heaven. But for all who do not go there, we're going to know why. The Word shines a light into the world and upon everyone. It demonstrates what we are, what we do, how we spend our lives. Paul described a scenario like that to us. I want us to notice Ephesians 5, 11 through 16. Paul said, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. He said, But rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. See, sin likes to operate in darkness. So no one can see it. Sin is ashamed of what it does. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light or, or, or are revealed. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We talked about time this morning. This young man's wasting his time in our passage. He's not redeeming the time. But what is going to happen in the end is God's Word will shine a light on this young man in our passage. It's going to reveal exactly what he's done. It's going to lay bare, lay manifest the actions in his life, and God is going to punish this young man if he did not repent. Now, if he repented, he turned his life over to God, he did the necessary things to be a child of God at that time, the only thing that's going to be revealed 
is His faithfulness. And He's going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God's Word is going to make manifest all things. So we have to prepare ourselves, right? I always ask people when I study with them, I talk about Ephesians 1.3 and it makes the statement Paul does in that chapter or that verse, all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. I say the very first thing I want to know after reading that verse is how do I get into Christ Jesus? That's the first thing I want to know. How do I get into Him? Well, there's a process through which we gain entrance into the kingdom. We don't join the church. You hear that a lot, don't you? You hear that a lot in the world, and you hear people say, we're going to join the church. That statement's never made in the New Testament anywhere. We know in Acts 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And the process to add us to the church and the process to save us are the exact same processes. It all happens at the same time. Paul said that we have been translated into the kingdom of the Son. Okay, how, do, how does that happen? How do I get into Christ? Well, I have to obviously listen to Him first, right? We look at it, and, and I was talking to someone the other day, and I said uh, that many people in the denominational world refer to us as five-steppers. We're actually six. We have six steps to salvation because the sixth one is, is uh, faithfulness, right? We live faithfully because we can lose our salvation if we don't do that. But you have to begin with the Word of God doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Our souls are worth too much. We have to begin with the Word of God. That's where we learn what God wants us to know. So faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the Word of God, right? So we have to have faith, but it's produced by the Word of God. Without it, we can't please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. We have to repent of past sins. That's, that was part of the message, the very first gospel sermon that we have recorded on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.38, right? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Paul said, Romans 10.10, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, what exactly are we confessing? Well, according to the Ethiopian eunuch of Acts 8.37, we make that confession, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then we go down into the water. How do I know that's what it is? Let's go back to Ephesians 1 verse 3. How do I get into Christ? That's the question, right? It takes all those things we've talked about because it's taught in the Bible. I think everyone recognizes we have to have faith. We have to repent of past sins. We have to make that great and good confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But there are only two places in all of the New Testament that specifically tells us how to get into Christ. Romans 6, 3, and 4 tells us we're buried with Him in baptism. We're buried with Christ into baptism. Galatians 3, or yeah, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 tells us that as many of us, or Paul says as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so that's how I get into Christ. That's final step. It takes more than that. It takes faith and repentance and confession but it also takes that baptism and that puts me into His body. That's why Luke recorded in Acts 2, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. When we back up to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. Why? Because He said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
but that put them into the body of Christ, which is the church, Colossians 1.18. The light makes manifest the dark things of this life, and unless we are in a position to be found righteous, we're going to be in the dark. I want us to understand tonight, how do we make sure that we're not roaming around like this young man in our passage, not using proper reasoning skills? How do we go about making sure? Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. He says, you know whether you're in the faith or not. How do we do this? How do we guarantee this? Well, we have to be rational, don't we? That's our third and final point. The rational thing is to always have a plan. Have you ever noticed that people who are successful in this world have a plan for success? It doesn't just happen. They don't show up to a random office building one morning and the... the CEO of the company comes out and says, you look like a fine young man or a fine young woman. Look, come in and run my company. That doesn't happen, does it? Or at least I'm not aware of it happening. If we're going to be in that position, we begin with a plan. God had a plan. The eternal purpose, Ephesians 3.11, the eternal plan. He had a plan for the physical creation. And it went just according to what he wanted. He had a plan for the spiritual creation. It went just according to what he wanted. It was a plan. We've got to have a plan. Am I going to roam around this world not being rational, just thinking that, well, I'll end up in the end and all things will be okay? Solomon contrasted where the young man chose to be in the place where he should have been. Notice what he asked. He said, Doth not wisdom cry? And understanding put forth her voice. She standeth in the top of high places. By the way, in the places of the path, she crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, hear, for I will speak of excellent things. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. Proverbs 8, 1 through 6. The previous chapter talked about a young man who ended up in the home of a woman who was not what she needed to be and he sinned with her. That's where he chose to be. Where should he have been? He should have been at the gates of the city listening to wisdom. See, wisdom is being personified here as if it's an actual person. We talked about that in class this morning about personification. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, the Jewish people were being personified as a man's wife. The law, the old law was being personified as the husband who had passed away. See, wisdom here is being personified as being someone. Wisdom cries out to us. Listen to my words. Obey what I'm saying. That's where this young man should have been. He should have been listening to wisdom. But the foolish man roams in places where he has no business being. He shouldn't be there. He ends up participating in things he has no no business participating in. He shouldn't do that. Why does that happen? Because there's no plan to avoid it. Right? There's no plan to avoid it. 
I was speaking with someone the other day and I said, here's, here's how it's always been in my home growing up with my children. I can never remember a time, now it's not just me, but, but that's the only example I can come up with because that's the one I know. Never has there been a time when one of our children came up on a Sunday morning for Bible class or for worship or Sunday evening or Wednesday and asked if we were going to church services. I don't ever remember that happening. Now, it may have happened, I don't know, but I can't remember that ever happening. Why? Because we put a plan in place years ago. More than 20 years ago, we put a plan in place, and we said, this is what we're going to do. That doesn't mean our plan works every single time. We're not perfect in our plan execution, but that's just an example that I know about. And we're not the only ones. There have been a myriad of people throughout the world that have made that exact same plan with their children. You know, here's the thing. People say, well, I'm not going to force my child to do that. I'm going to let them make their decision. We've talked about this. Let me tell you something. My whole life as a parent, I made my children brush their teeth. I made them take baths. I made them eat properly most of the time. They went to school. They learned things, right? When it came time to go to a doctor and get a shot, guess what? They couldn't talk me out of that. They just got the shot, right? So why in the world would I allow my child, when they reach the age of 12 or 13 or whatever the case may be, come and tell me that, well, I don't feel like I want to go to church services this morning. I mean, have you lost your mind? Do you live in my home? That's our plan. That's what we do. We feed you three times a day. We clothe you. We send you to the doctor. We send you to school. We make you brush your teeth. You have to go to bed at a certain time. You have to eat properly. And then you're going to come up and say, well, you're just going to make a decision on your spiritual life, which is more important than any of those other things. No, that's not happening. Not going to happen. But it doesn't happen that way unless we have a plan in place. We have to sit down and we have to say, at some point, we're going to have children. We're going to, we marry someone we say, at some point we're going to have children. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're just going to let them run wild and, and take over. Let me tell you, a bunch of children will take over in a hurry if you let them, won't they? you got to watch them. They'll gang up on you. They conquer. They divide and conquer, right? But you have to have a plan to keep that from happening. And that's what he's talking about. The foolish man doesn't have a plan. Just wherever the road leads is where I'll go. But the wise man has a very specific destination in mind. He's not going to stumble into the clutches of the sinful because he's got a plan. Because he's pursuing after things he ought to be pursuing after, such as righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. That's the plan. And we put that into place. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. When that happens... That means we will be fighting the good fight. We will be laying hold on eternal life. Paul says, Whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. We go where we choose to go. That's just as simple as that, isn't it? We go where we choose to go. Our direction determines our destination. We go where we choose to go. We don't go where we don't want to go. We had to do something to get there. I got a pair of glasses from Doc Goldston the other night so I can drive at night so I can see. And he said, he, I went and got them and, and I put them on. I said, boy, this is wonderful. I, I didn't realize that, that I couldn't see that my sight was as bad as it was. 
He said, well, I, I tweaked your glasses just a little bit. He said, right at the bottom, he said, if you're driving and you have to glance down, if your phone rings, you just have to glance down and see who it is in case it's an emergency. He said, you, that part doesn't have prescription on it. I said, okay, that's good. He said, but you got to turn your nose to where you're looking because that's where your eyes go. You can't look over here. He said, that's not going to work. But see what the point is, we go where we want to go. We see where we point our face, right? I look down, that's what I'm seeing. If I look over here, I'm not going that direction. I'm going this way. We go where we want to go. We go where the plan is, right? Now, if we don't have a plan, we're planning to fail. We still have a plan. It's just a poor one, right? We have to have a plan. We have to have a plan. I want us to notice... That when I, when we look at what we're going to do and we're trying to put our plan together, how are we going to formulate that? How are we going to decide what that is? We have to base our plan on what pleases God. We have to submit to Him. We have to use Him as our, as our measuring uh, tape. We have to have a righteous plan. The good news is God's given that to us. We don't have to search it out. We don't have to formulate it on our own. We just have to accept what He's got. Paul told us that we are His workmanship, talking about God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. God put the plan out there. He told us where we need to walk, and that's where He wants us to walk. When we mistakenly or we choose to actually walk outside of the light of God in another path, we're not pleasing to Him. We have to get back on track, right? We have to, we have to come back to Him. And there are going to be times, and we have to understand this as Christians, especially if we're new to the faith, there are going to be times when people claim to be faithful to God when in reality they are not. When in reality they are not. And that can be very hurtful to us. That can, be very, that can cause disillusionment to us. That can hurt our feelings, right? We can really be let down by those kind of people. Jesus talked about that. He, Matthew seven fifteen, He said that, you're going to see people who act like they're followers of God. In His words, He says, inwardly they are ravenous wolves. What do we do in a case like that? What do we do when a Christian hurts our feelings? I'll just tell you, and I think probably a lot of us can, can make this statement. The worst hurt I've ever had in my life, for me personally and for my family, came at the hands of people who claim to be Christians. Does that mean I'm going to quit being a Christian? Does that mean I'm going to forsake my Lord who died for me simply because someone's not behaving like a Christian though they claim to be? Why would I do that? It doesn't make sense, does it? Am I going to stop going to the services of the Lord's people because someone is uh, being hypocritical about something? I won't, I won't use the example here. I, I used it when I was in Cordova. I did it just for a joke though. I said, don't let the hypocrite sitting next to you keep you from coming to church services. Right? Let's not do that. It doesn't keep me from going to the ball game. It doesn't keep me from going to work. You gonna tell me we don't work with hypocrites? There's not a bunch of hypocrites sitting in the stadium at the ball game? Come on. You go down to Tennessee football game, there's over a hundred thousand people there. There's gonna be a hypocrite or two in the crowd. I'm still gonna go. And I'm gonna root for my team. I'm not gonna let that stuff. Why am I gonna let it take my faith away from me? That doesn't make that's not a good plan. That doesn't please God. Just like the man in our passage, he established a relationship with a woman because she liked him. She complimented him. 
She enticed him. She wanted to do things for him. She, she made him feel good. And you know, she insinuated that God endorsed that. That's what we're talking about. We're going to run into people like that. One of my greatest friends in my life was an elder in the church and hurt me worse than anybody has ever hurt me. And he's unfaithful today. Am I going to let that cause me to lose my faith? Well, I'd be crazy to do that. Notice what this woman said. She said, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. When we get tangled up with wolves, and that happens sometimes, it's often because we like our plans better than God's plans. See, we hear that. She says, hey, I've made a peace offering. God endorses what I'm doing. Come on in. Well, it's not that it's not that he couldn't see through that. Okay? That's not the case. It's not that he was blind. It's that he chose to be blind. He liked that plan better than he liked God's plan. Because he didn't have a plan himself. He's just out wandering, roaming. He's not being rational. He's not doing the things that God wants him to do. He liked that other plan better. So it's easy to take that other plan if we don't have one of ourselves. If we don't have something we'll stand up for, we're not going to be able to resist anything. That's just the way it is, right? We talked about that this morning. The first century Christians gave their lives for something they believed in, and the government said, "What? Can, how are we going to stamp out these people? You can't do it. Because they're going to die for what they believe in. And when you, when you study history of the first century and the things that happened, they had, they had clothed these people in fresh animal skins that they had just skinned from a, some kind of an animal, wrapped their bodies in it, and throw them out to the lions. Boy, that's faith, isn't it? I hope I'm never faced with that. I hope I would stand up and do the right thing, but boy, I, I don't know. You're going to be wrapped in, in the, the, the uh, animal skins of a lion's favorite meal and then cast out there because you say you believe in God. And all you got to do is say, I don't believe. Well, when we don't have a plan of our own, that plan sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So we have to have our own plan. We have to be rational. Normally we don't consult with, with what God thinks about it. We just do what we think we want to do. That's not going to work. That's not going to cut it, is it? Well, how are we going to gain this wisdom? James tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, James 1.5. How do we get that He's going to give wisdom. But where does it come? Let's ask God to give us wisdom and then let's do our part and, and, and hide this in our heart, Psalm 119.11, that we might not sin against God. This is where the wisdom comes. God, We say, I want wisdom. I want to know what to do. Well, study. Study. Miracles are over. God's not going to bless us with, with some kind of miraculous wisdom. And if we will allow God to speak to us, He has addressed every single scenario that we can be faced with in this life if we will trust Him. And we search it out. Does He talk about drugs in the New Testament? Well, they're not specifically mentioned. But does He talk about being sober-minded? Anything that takes away sober-mindedness is condemned in the Bible. Okay, so now we have a scenario for taking drugs. Does He, does he talk about breaking the speed limit laws of the nation? 
Well, they didn't have cars at that point, so that wasn't addressed. But when we look in Romans 13, and we are to be in subjection to the higher powers, where that does not conflict with God's laws, all right, now we can't be speeders. We can't be breaking the law. I just have to trust God, ask Him for wisdom, and do my part in studying. And He'll give me that wisdom. It's there for the taking. It is easy to become to become directionally challenged. It's easy, right? Asked uh, wrong way. Uh, what was his name? Regal. Ask him; he'll tell you in the big football game. Yeah, he'll tell you. It's easy to become directionally challenged, but we can overcome it. We can overcome it. We can stop being that way. What do I do if I've been walking in the wrong direction? Hey, turn around. What do you do when you're driving? You're going the wrong direction. You just turn around. I was coming home last night and, and I passed up 24 on 840. I just went a half a mile down the road, turned around, came back, got right back on 824. Took me about a mile out of the way. It was a little inconvenient. I didn't like having to drive around in the dark, but hey, I got home. See, I was able to come home. See, if you need to come home tonight, make that decision. You've never done anything that God can't forgive you of if you'll repent of that. We see that in Isaiah 44, 21 through 23. He says, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. The gospel of Jesus Christ can be obeyed today. We can believe and repent. We can confess. We can be immersed in water, have our sins washed away, come up out of that water walking in a new life. We can live faithfully for Him and do the things He's asked us to do. And if, if you've already done that and you've made some mistakes in this world, come back to God. He has redeemed us through the sacrifice of His Son, continually cleansing the faithful with His blood, John 1, 1. But we have to be faithful for that to happen. But when we confess our faults one to another, James talked about that in James 5, He'll forgive us of those things. Repentance and confession, owning the sin that we've done, and God will forgive us. If you stand in need to answer the Lord's invitation this, this evening, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.